Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Welcome to 2023, a year in review, the 19th year in review special you've heard on Sirius XM this year. And 2023 was a year that I'm still trying to make sense of, a year that began with devastating political humiliation for Kevin McCarthy and ended pretty much the same way. Twitter corroded, a spy balloon exploded, abortion bans were outvoted and Ron DeSantis imploded. Not a great year for Silicon Valley Bank, affirmative action at universities, Titanic record tourism, dreams of a two-state solution, or George Santos. But Donald Trump was indicted 91 times. Hunter Biden is apparently going to pay for it. The party that spent my childhood telling me to hate Russians for their violent military aggression spent 2023 telling me to lay off Vladimir Putin. And Henry Kissinger finally found a surefire way to avoid going to The Hague. My friends, this year never stopped to take a breath, and maybe you didn't either. So let's take stock of all we've had to take in, process, and survive with a very brilliant group of very special guests. I'm so pleased to welcome back Shaniqua McClendon. She's vice president of politics at Crooked Media, which is, of course, home to the popular podcast Pod Save America and so many other shows you love. Ms. McClendon created Vote Save America, a voter engagement program that helped create that blue wave of Democratic victories in 2018, 2020, and 2022. Everyone thank her. It's raised over 54 million directly for candidates. She began her career as a White House intern for President Barack Obama and spearheaded the creation of the first ever congressional bipartisan HBCU caucus. Shaniqua McClendon, welcome back to SiriusXM and happy Christmas, happy new year. Yeah, happy holidays. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you back. I'm really looking forward to you talking me off ledges this year in the world of politics. <laughs> I'll do my best. Thank you. I talk people off ledges all the time. I, I, I'm happy to book people who talk me off ledges, like Dr. Tracy Pearson, legal analyst and a consultant you've seen on TV and radio and podcasts and Forbes Fast Company, The New York Post. Uh, Tracy's a regular on Cheddar News and News Nation. Uh, Dr. Pearson, welcome back. It's great to have you. It is always wonderful to be with you, John, and especially at the end of the year where we can talk trash about everybody. 
That's right. Well, let's get to it with Victor Shi, who I'm so glad we could book. Victor is a writer and an organizer and an activist. He was the youngest delegate for Joe Biden at the DNC convention in 2020 at age 17 from Illinois' 10th congressional district. He was an organizer on the Biden campaign. Victor also co-hosts the podcast Intergenerational Politics with our friend and former Watergate prosecutor Jill Weinbanks. And Victor's been on MSNBC, CNN, NBC, PBS, you name it, while also being a junior at UCLA. Dude, you get a lot done in a day. Welcome. It's great to have you. Oh, I have to, I have to, I'm a senior now. So I'm, oh, you're I, a senior I'm aging. Now. I'm so I didn't mean to, to, to misyear you. Forgive me. I, I, I dead eared you. I apologize. Let's guys, let's begin with a positive with this one. I, I, I want to look back and just start off on a positive note, because honestly, for all the drama and strife, there were so many emotional high points of 2023. Trump having to pay E. Jean Carroll five million. Rudy Giuliani having to pay Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss one hundred forty eight million. Fox having to pay Dominion three quarter of a billion Women's reproductive rights fighting back. Pope Francis blessing same-sex unions. A sitting U.S. president on a picket line. Dolly Parton covered Purple Rain and Tucker Carlson got fired. I'm sorry, there was no shortage of good news. And I want to begin by asking you, Shaniqua, what was it that was most inspiring for you in these last 12 months? What was your emotional high point? Yeah, you honestly listed so many things that I forgot actually happened this year. So thank you for reminding me that this it. has been like an absolutely long year. Um, <laughs> you know, I am still, I think it's by nature of my work. I'm still, you know, the Dobbs decision was devastating last year, but seeing it continue to be something that is motivating people to show up um, has been really inspiring. Uh, it's also just a reminder that sometimes people need a little a little kick to remember how important elections are, remember that they actually have the power to make a difference. And I think that's especially been, you know, um, underlined in the places that we've seen abortion still continue to you know, move forward is not the best term, given that the Dobbs decision happened. But you look at a place like Ohio, uh, where they were able twice to stop efforts to restrict access to abortion. You know, Republicans tried to be kind of shady there and trick voters, but it did not work. People showed up. Uh, and then right. you look at a place like Kentucky that reelected Andy Bashir. So I'm I'm just in after 2020, I was getting a little concerned that all of the energy and enthusiasm was just going to dissipate. People felt like Trump is gone. We don't have to worry about it. But I think something we talk a lot about at Crooked is Trump may have, he's not in the White House. He's definitely still here. But Trumpism is something that is still here. And we need to continue yes. to work to get rid of that, uh, which we'll all hopefully have the opportunity to do next year. Um, I hope that's the last time he tries to you know, run for president. I mean, let's not forget, he also lost when he ran for the Reform Party. So this could be his fourth time failing to win the popular <laughs> vote, <true>. everybody. It's <laughs> very inspiring. But I agree with you. I, I would never have thought an off, off year would be such a great year for democracy. We're not even talking about young people showing up in droves to vote for the Wisconsin Supreme Court or the voters of Virginia deciding yeah. that there's no way Glenn Youngkin's going to be a Hail Mary pass for the GOP in yeah. 2024. We did some work in Virginia as well. And again, that's another place where abortion was essentially on the ballot. Governor Youngkin tried to, I don't know who advised him to do this, but close out on a, you know, closing note of he's going to pass an abortion ban if he gets the legislature that he wants. And, you know, I'm glad he said it, you know, and didn't try to hide from it because people were able to show up and say that, that they don't want that. Um, and, you know, we, uh, we did a show in Kentucky and Ohio, but in Kentucky, we were able to go out and knock some doors with our, uh, host of Pod Save America. And again, right. 
It's just a reminder that if you talk to voters, you understand like why things are turning out the way that they do, which I would encourage everyone to spend some time talking to voters uh, next year as we get into the election. Uh, but we spoke to Republicans who said that they have voted Republican, you know, down their entire ticket every year, but just could not bring themselves to vote for Daniel Cameron and would be voting for uh, Andy Bashir. So, yeah. again, all across the country, this is something that matters to people. And I think it's really important for people who live in places, you know, blue states like New York and California, who also have really important House races next year. Remember that, you know, these House and Senate races that are not in the states they live in will have an impact because Amen. the makeup of our Congress will determine if we have a national abortion ban. You know, the <laughs> the Supreme Court is set to hear a case on uh, abortion pills. So there's just like a lot that we need to remember is not just kind of looking in our own backyards, but all of this is interconnected. And if you feel like there's nothing right outside your door that you can plug into, there might be something a few states over that will directly impact That's right. you at some point. Amen. Dr. Tracy, let me ask you the same question. What was the emotional high point for you between the resurgence of American labor and, and the, the script for Barbie? Uh, I had a lot of high points this year. What stands out for you? <laughs> I had two. One, one sort of mimics what we've just talked about, which is watching state activism kick misogyny's ass. The second uh, thing is that thanks to Trump, it has made law interesting. People, uh, generally speaking, have brushed aside legal interpretation, uh, legal issues for a long time. As a lawyer, I'm boring generally, you know, except I am really interested. I'm great at cocktail parties when we used to have those, given given this range of things that I do. But it made law interesting. People are, yes. in fact, trying to learn. And to me, that's exciting. Well, I mean, people are engaging with the judicial branch for redress of grievances in ways that would make the founders really proud. I mean, we're not waiting for Superman or Gandhi or Black Panther to come save us anymore. When I look at the Alex Jones hearing, when I look at Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman, when I look at E. Jean Carroll, I mean, it's a remarkable year for democracy, but it's also an incredible year for civics in the judicial branch. There are cases and types of, of proceedings like defamation cases that you cover it in law school, you'll learn it, but they were generally seen as sort of not useful tools because the courts and, and juries did not make findings of defamation. They were very hard right. cases to win. They have now turned into a tool to hold these, these idiots accountable. And it is um, something that's really exciting to see. Simultaneously, it is also a time where I think that, you know, one day everybody is an engineering scholar and then a virologist the next day. And now they're all <laughs> armchair attorneys, depending on what issues come out during the course of a day or what cases get uh, orders released. I think yes. that it is exciting to me because people are trying to understand it. And so that provides me with an opportunity to help help encourage people to become more knowledgeable about how these systems work, because the court system is the one thing that held for us during the Trump years. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Victor Xi, I'm very curious, what was your emotional high point this year? I mean, Joe Biden really struggled quite a bit with the poll numbers, which we'll get to, but a lot more legislative accomplishments. What stood out for you? Totally. 
just just to pick up on that point, I mean, we're recording this the week that Colorado handed down that decision um, about the 14th Amendment, Section 3. And it's like, when did we ever imagine that we would even be talking about the third section of the 14th Amendment? <laughs> um, the times that we live in right now. And I just um, was talking to Noah Bookbinder on um, the podcast with Jill, and it was just such a fascinating discussion about what that section is and just sort of what's what's next. And it's it's all very exciting, but it's um, Tracy's exactly right. You know, we're giving people an insight into our legal system and people are paying attention. My highlight and sort of high point of the year is just what Shanika and Tracy alluded to, just the inspiring and, and just really amazing energy that we're seeing on the state and local levels. Um, I My home state is Illinois, and I've been so just grateful for the action that has happened in blue states. And I think that's a very big example of what can happen when you elect serious and principled people to stay in exactly. local offices. You know, Michigan, Gretchen yeah. Whitmer have done a phenomenal job with passing legislation from climate change to um, other types of legislation that would benefit her residents. You know, Minnesota famously earlier this year uh, passed a bill that would give uh, free public um meals to uh, elementary and middle school students, which is a big, big deal. Um, so I, I think there are a lot of amazing things that are happening on those state and local levels. And I think that are inspiring yes. people to see just the power of those local elected offices. And so that's sort of my high point of the year, in addition to some of the state and local elections throughout this year that have proven a lot of those polls mm-hmm. and it's wrong. Amen. Yeah. I mean, we keep getting this proof over and over again that our state and local elections affect our lives so much more than who's president. And I'll tell you the truth. I'm hoping that I'd like to see every Democratic Party get an abortion measure on every ballot in every state for next year, because we've seen that this issue drives turnout, which brings us to the Republican Mm -hmm. Party. The dog caught the car and they're paying the price now. They're all trying to avoid it. They all seem to just be so grounded in the bubble that they never really realized that 77 percent of the american population supports abortion rights in all or some cases long before dobbs i will give the republican party credit they kept my family safe from hunter biden all year he never broke into the house i assume it's because of them (laughs) but that's the agenda it's blind obedience to donald trump scapegoating hunter biden Mm -hmm. and alienating the very female and moderate voters they would need in 2024 We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I'm John Fugel saying, welcome back. 
from the speaker wars we've witnessed and Matt Gates being the most powerful person in democracy to these weird debates wow. with no front runner and only one can be a distant second. I want to ask you guys, did our Republican friends do anything to expand their appeal in any way in 2023? Shaniqua, I always say if the Republican Party had policies they believed in that would help non-millionaires, that's all they talk about. But they don't. It's been just nonstop scandal. And it seems like we're a long way from the old 2012 Reince Priebus statement on the death of the party. And they seem so committed to just keeping the same people they've already got. Yeah. You know, a big, big part of this is that they are afraid of Donald Trump. You know, Republicans had an opportunity twice to impeach and convict Donald Trump. And they chose not to. And had they done that, he wouldn't be running for president right now, which means they wouldn't have to be beholden or afraid of what's going to happen if they go against him. Someone might, you know, run against them from the right. They could truly be done with him. And I don't think I don't think there's any other figure, no matter how much they try to pretend to be Donald Trump, can actually fill that space and get the support that he gets from his base. But they chose not to, you know, And at the point that the second impeachment happened, it was very clear how dangerous this man was. And they had an opportunity to say, "Okay, we, you know, we kind of sold our souls to the devil to get tax cuts and the Supreme Court to look the way we want. But now we need to be a little concerned and just kind of cut him off. And they still chose not to. Um, And so this is in large part like their fault. But I think even before Donald Trump, we were starting to see this. And again, this is why they made that deal with the devil. They have yep. been trying to figure out how they can configure um, the the country, the electorate, our elections, so that they can continue to amass power, even though they are not popular amongst the majority exactly. of of Americans. Yep. And that is pretty much what they're focused on now. They've gone they've gone too far to try to come back and do the right thing now. So they have to continue pushing voter suppression, you know, force women to have children that they don't want. They just forcing people to kind of live the way they the country should be, which, again, is so interesting for a party that's supposed to be about small government and not inter- interfering and individual and liberty. so much in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, which one is it? Um, you know, we're seeing the, these book bans and um, legislation banning uh, parents from making decisions about their their kids' health care um, for trans children. And so, again, a lot of this is their fault. I don't think they learn lessons. Um, and with Abortion, healthcare should have been a really important lesson for them when they tried to overturn that. Voters right? did not want that to happen. Um, and they suffered for it, trying to do it. Even though they didn't actually do it, they suffered for even talking about it. Uh, so that should have been a clear sign. But if they want to, you know, do silly things, I mean, it's more than serious. There's a lot of dangerous stuff happening. But uh, I think voters are a lot more awake now, and hopefully we'll see that in the outcomes of the elections next year, as we've have been for the past few years. It's so true. There are so many of them that are just so paralyzed by fear of Donald Trump sicking the minions on them. And this is the problem they've had yeah. for a long time with this Republican Party. They're they're always afraid that if they do anything, and this is the Kevin McCarthy story, this will be the Mike Johnson story in a couple of weeks. If I yeah. work with the Democrats to help the American people, I will get primaried and someone crazier and more racist than me will have my job next year. This has been going on since Eric Cantor was taken out by Dave Bratt. And it seems like the party is paralyzed by its own base. And the Republicans that we celebrate for standing up against Trump, 
they are the ones who voted lockstep with him. I mean, God bless Liz Cheney for her mm-hmm. brave words. It's great that she's right about one yeah. thing in her life. She's been right about one thing. Yeah. But she, Romney, Flake, all of them were completely supportive mm-hmm. of this agenda. Yeah. And they don't tell the truth until they don't have power anymore. I mean, Kevin McCarthy immediately started telling us, you know, how he felt, but he's already let us know he's not going to to be in Congress anymore. So it's just kind of pathetic. Yeah. I mean, Victor, they've got the Nick Fuentes's, you know, they've got the racists. They don't need to try any harder, but they seem to be allergic to trying to reach beyond the bubble and and get the very people they're going to need next year. To Shanique's point earlier, you know, the reason why the Democrats won the White House but lost votes in the House is because there's a lot of Republicans who voted for Joe Biden and then went R down ticket for the rest of the way. The Republican Party doesn't really seem to worry about democracy. And it makes me worry that maybe they have figured out their end game around democracy if they don't need these voters anymore. I mean, it's such an unserious party. And, you know, I I don't know how many of you saw the um, Axios chart that shows the number of bills that were passed throughout the last few Congresses. And you look at the 108th Congress and it's such a small number. And it's like, you know, these Republicans aren't focused on serious, real policymaking. They're focused on things like Hunter Biden trying to impeach Joe Biden. And it, it's just so antithetical to everything that we think about a serious Congress. And I hope every voter sees that chart because it's like, you know, every bar is really high and you get to the 118th Congress. And it's just like there's basically no bills that have been passed. And to Shanika's point about sort of the response of the Republican Party, I think one of the most chilling and just disturbing realities right now is that there's no effort to even reach um, newer voters in a newer, more diverse right. cohort. They're reverting to like voter suppression. I mean, in Texas, there is a bill that if passed, it would eliminate all college um, polling locations um, on college campuses. And so it's like they're trying to suppress voters. They're trying to do the same playbook of, you know, targeting, um, you know, disenfranchised group, targeting vulnerable, um, marginalized communities in order to gain power. And it's I think the, the one thing that gives me comfort is that even against this backdrop, you still see people going out there and voting and making their voices heard. But Republicans just keep doubling down on that anti-democracy playbook and embracing, let's call it what it is, fascism and I think authoritarian yeah. tech. And you have now Trump openly calling his enemies vermin and calling immigrants poisoning the blood of our country. And the Republican Party pretty much largely is silent around that, except for like Chris Christie and Liz Cheney, which is really sad. To the rescue. Yeah. And um, boy, how about that bravery of Chris Christie? Huh? I was wondering how many Harry Potter books did Chris Christie go through before he figured out Voldemort was the bad guy? I'm thinking maybe by the seventh book, he figured out <laughs> Voldemort wasn't a good guy. Maybe it took that long. Uh, Dr. Tracy, I mean, it seems like the GOP is just devolving. Uh, this is not the party of Lincoln. It's not even the party of Quail anymore. And once again, it seems like 2024 is going to rest on high turnout. If there is high turnout, then Democrats will win. If there is low turnout, it's going to be more of this. I I hope so. I, I you know I have some thoughts later on about about the election, but you folks are sounding way too intellectual about Congress. In, in my <laughs> viewpoint, is that they are akin to a middle school student council. What I saw was um, infighting and mean girl behavior. I saw the inability to identify a leader instead of a lackey. And yep. the guy that they were able to scrape off the floor like gum off of a movie theater uh, floor uh, it thinks that God speaks to him and that he'll he's going to become Moses. Um, and what has happened here is that our secular government, what they used to talk about uh, it quietly in whispers, 
they are overtly advocating for a theocracy. And to me, that is the scary thing. That is the thing that that we need to talk about more, that, that the people who have the platforms and the voices, President Biden, needs to talk about more. It's not just about democracy. Democracy is imperfect. It is about the fact that we are a secular society and that we have choices. And it isn't just about body autonomy. It is about somebody forcing their religion down my throat. Yeah. See, and I would I would go a step beyond that because I would say, obviously, Biden can't be seen as coming out against people of faith. I think the correct argument is where in Mike Johnson's agenda are any teachings of Christ represented? I'm a big fan of the <laughs> yeah. Bible. I'm a big fan of Jesus. I'm a big fan of thumping Bible thumpers with the Bible and saying, you want to say that your <laughs> your your concerns, your policies are spiritual in nature? Show me where in your holy book right. Christ drives the gay wedding cakes out of the temple. Show me where Jesus decides <laughs> to charge a leper a copay. Show me where torture is okay in some conditions. <laughs> to me, the, the irony of Christianity is the only way you can be a conservative Christian is by being a raging radical revolutionary liberal because that's who Christ was. I'm ready to see a religious yeah. war where people take the Bible back from the hypocrites. And I mean, journalism, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, Shaniqua, I would love to see journalists one day say to Mike Pence, please cite one teaching of Jesus from the Gospels the Republican Party has fought for in the last 30 years. I, I want to hear one journalist yeah. ask one high ranking yeah. conservative Christian this question. Yeah, I mean, the Republican Party hates poor people. That's literally the opposite Boom. of, you know, <laughs> of, of, of Christianity. You know, um, I, people say this all the time. I'm not saying anything new, but to, you know, demand that no one get abortions because that is, you know, against uh, Christianity and then say, but you can have these children. We're not going to provide anything to make sure that they have a good life and the things that they need. You know, it's again, it's it's all just pathetic. I, they are focused on amassing power for themselves so they can rule this country, not uh, not under biblical times, but under Jim Crow, under like our recent yeah. history where white men were in charge of everything. And so sometimes I wish they would just be honest about that so we could, you know, have this fight on honest, uh, honest grounds. But That's they it. have to hide it behind something and yeah. they hide and it I, behind um, religion. Yeah, totally. And I bring up to them all the time. I mean, Victor, I've said this many times to our right wing friends. The Bible's not actually against abortion. Judaism, not against abortion. Jesus never mentions it. Jesus was against the death penalty there. There's Christ followers <laughs> and there's there's unauthorized Jesus fan club. And that's what the Republicans are. And I think it's not any kind of misstep against faith or or devotion to call them out for hypocrisy, because that's what the character of Jesus does throughout the book. They pretend to follow. That's the kind of muscle yeah. I want to see the yeah. Democrats have. Yeah. Hypocrisy is dead with this Republican Party. Um, and, you know, it's like they, they say how pro-life they are, but they haven't done anything on the single leading cause of death for young people, which is gun violence. I mean, Thank we've you. had yep. how many days have we talked about thoughts and prayers for people yeah. who, have, you know, lost their lives due to gun violence and there is no action. They they, they use mm -hmm. thoughts and prayers as a veil to, you know, just to you know, justify any sort of action, but they're not acting actually meaningfully on this issue. And it's, you know, so many people are losing their lives because of this issue. But President Biden and Vice President Harris, they've done what they can, but it's up to now this Republican Congress. I don't think they will do it, but I hope they will one day and find the courage to do so and, you know, stop going on behalf of the NRA's interest.
We have to take a very quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment with more of this year in review special. And we're going to get to some fun stuff as well. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang, and we'll be right back. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. Welcome back to Series XM Progress. I am John Fugelsang, and we are counting down the major stories, issues, debates that divided us of 2023 with Shaniqua McClendon of Crooked Media, Victor Shee, and Dr. Tracy Pearson. And I want to talk to you guys about um, a guy who uh, doesn't get talked about that much in the news, the president of the United States, Joe Biden, arguably <laughs> the most effective president of our lifetimes, uh, with absolutely no reflection of that in the polls. I could spend the next hour rattling off the things that this president has pulled off with an incredibly divided Congress, and I'm still impressed. But of course, <clears throat> there's the issue of the polls, which are media worships. Now, now I- I'm of the belief that polls are rubbish and that polls in 2023 are people who pick up their landlines and people who pick up their cell phones when they don't know who's calling them, which is not, to me, a very accurate representation of America. But these are the numbers we have. Uh, a fire has been let under this White House. Um, is it ageism? Is it people that just don't pay attention to the news and aren't aware of this president's record? Or do we live in a media culture that wants their Trump size ratings back? Dr. Tracy Pearson, let me start with you. Polls are rubbish. Uh, having conducted studies and understanding how, how to conduct one properly, I can tell you that they're rubbish. So that aside, I think that um, there is a piece of this where the media does not know how to report on statistics. They don't they don't look further to understand what the uh, basis is for that uh, polling result. They don't understand populations and samples and all of those things. I personally have never been polled. I have two telephone numbers. I have never been polled. Um, Both of them are cell phones. 
Um, and it, what it does is it allows them to just burst out a, uh, a what they perceive as a fact that that allows them to run with it. One of the things yes. that drives me crazy and what I love about the show that, that you do is that we get in-depth on these issues. When you watch TV, it is split second sort of, uh, you know, minute, two to three minute blocks yep. of, of surface stuff. And I respect the folks that do it. I've been on their shows, but it is absolutely insufficient to inform people in our populace about issues so that they can actually understand what is happening and what is going on. Joe Biden, fabulous guy, good human being, has done a lot. The things that he has done are not discernible on a daily basis to the average person. They are not feeling it. And that is part of the problem for his perception. The other piece is that he is losing a huge portion of his um, voter base because of the Israel Hamas war. I don't, I don't know if it's huge yet, but I, I know what you're saying. And I think he's suffering from a lot of the problems Barack Obama had in his first term, a uh, recovery that is real, but is only on paper. I, I do believe that as the infrastructure bill funding kicks in, people are going to see a lot of things happening in their town this year, roads being fixed, bridges, etc. But I also fear you're going to see a lot of Republicans who voted against that infrastructure plan taking credit for it. Shaniqua, I always say to people who doubt Joe Biden's sharpness, uh, I've said for years to just listen to his interview on Pod Save America, just to the part where he talked with the guys about climate change. I mean, just listen to this man geek out over the actual science and you will know how sharp and focused and on it he is more than any other president. Yeah, I actually tell people that exact thing all the time because really? that interview was very long. <laughs> but, yes. um, you know, he went into a lot of detail on a lot of stuff and specifically around climate change. I felt like I learned a lot during that interview. And even recently, I've, you know, been reading more about what's what was in the um, Inflation Reduction Act around um, climate change. And there's so much in there. But I went and sought that out because I saw the headlines, exactly. but I wasn't seeing more in-depth reporting on, on what was in there. So I was like, OK, I guess I'm going to go find out for myself. But yep. most people don't have time to do that. Like, that's just exactly. kind of the nature of my job. So I have the time to dive into these things. I'm supposed to know these things. But there hasn't been wide, you know, wide reporting on it. And, you know, the reporting we see is like polling around how people feel about the bill, but they don't know what's in it. And that's when I get exactly. frustrated with the media because you're supposed to tell them what's in it. So then we can understand how people feel about it. And I think as we've seen, as people are polled on the specifics of that legislation, they actually do support it. Um, sure. They, they support everything Biden's said, doing. Biden's, he, all Biden's policies are yeah, incredibly supportive. I know. They, yeah. And I, there's also not enough, again, political media has just become into kind of only focusing on the horse race and like, you know, what does this mean? What does this poll or what does this action mean for the health of the Democratic Party? And not saying, you know, one, what does it mean for the country that we have not like passed our appropriations bills yet? And we're continuing to do these CRs. It means that we're not getting any new actual investments in the things that we care about because we're just kind of kicking the can down the road. Like, what does it mean if we have to figure out how to to make sure the government's not going to shut down every few months because either we shut it down or we have to go through another speaker process again. Like exactly. that is not what's being reported on. And the media is supposed to, I mean, I got a degree in journalism because my understanding was it's like the fourth branch of government. And um, 
it just has not been serving that purpose. It's not informing people the way well, that but, it but should it, be. But, but, and but I, if I may, is it, okay. is it Shaniqua, is it journalism or is it the media? Because journalists are still my heroes, but That's the media yes. is ratings driven the and they miss Trump. You're right. Yeah. Yes. That, yes. I wanted to get back to your point on that. Yes. I am really nervous about next year and the coverage because a lot of news organizations saw a lot more attention on their content when they focused on Trump's tweets or just all the silliness. And again, I don't want to characterize it as silliness because it's actually dangerous, the stuff that he's saying and doing. But they just kind of report on it with no context, just for shock value. Uh, And it it gets people, you know, arguing back and forth. And I say this as someone who works at a company who, you know, the audience who comes to us um, is part of this fractured media environment, but we are reporting on what's actually happening. And it's unfortunate that we don't have more of those kind of like in the middle uh, media entities where people can go because one, they're being fractured, but two, the people who are watching that thinking, oh, this is like a century, you know, this is not a media organization that's leaning one way or another. I can get good information here and they might not be, you know, behind one party, but they're not giving out good information. It's still shock value. It's still arguing. And I don't think voters are any smarter. Sorry, that's not the best way to phrase that, but we're not making them any smarter on the things that are right. actually happening. Go- in Make them more aware of the dynamics and what the policies are. I, yeah. I completely agree. Victor Shi, mm-hmm. we've come to the part in the special where we turn to you to talk us off a ledge and explain to us all how young people <laughs> are going to turn out in big numbers and coalesce around this president <laughs> because his policies reflect their values and we've all been worrying about nothing. I give it to you. <laughs> Well, um, you know, it's definitely not going to be easy. And I, I think there is a lot of one of the things I'm hearing most about from my peers is one, the Israel Hamas war, which is obviously, you know, causing a lot of backlash from young people. But generally, young people still are unaware of what President Biden has done. I think to the, our point about this fractured media landscape, there was once a time when there were only three media networks and people got the same facts wherever they tuned into. But now we have so many different mediums and sources of communication and information that young people just simply aren't hearing what President Biden has done. And, you know, I just talked to a couple of friends in college and they asked me, well, what has President Biden done? And I and I told them all the things that he had done. And they were like, we had no idea. And I think part of the challenge for the administration is going onto the platforms where young people do consume their information, places like Reddit and TikTok and doing more stuff on Instagram with influencers. And they're starting to do that. But it has to be more than just sort of like a once a month thing or like a once every couple has to be sustained and constant people aren't going to be listening and 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 be receptive to that um message and so i think there's a lot of there's a lot of work ahead for this administration but i wish just going back to our broader discussion about the media they would cover things like donald trump's age you know they spent so much time talking about how old president biden is all of his gaffes but trump has just as many if not more he mixes up obama and biden almost on a weekly basis you know he messed up who got into the war. So there are so many things that Trump is showing about his age that I think are very glaring red alarm bells, but the media doesn't really cover it. And they spend more time talking about Biden's age and Biden's negative poll numbers than yep. a lot of the other things that I think serve attention, like how his policies are actually benefiting real Americans and everyday Americans. Yeah. Well, you're you're so right. I think I one mean, of the... I... Please, Tracy. No, no. I think one of the problems is that people have been desensitized to what government is. Government is not sexy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Tom yeah. Foley used to fall asleep as speaker all the time. Um, it right. is it is something that is is not sexy. It's not supposed to be revolutionary. And what Trump did, he broke a lot of things. And what he did is he broke the perception that government is revolutionary because he would take actions that would then have to be 
chased after and turned around um, using all of the resources that we had. And so it was very adrenaline pushing. And that's not what good government is. It is reformist (laughs) and it is slow. I kind of feel like the voters are going to have a very different choice next year. I think that people uh, who don't pay attention, let's keep in mind, it's an off-off year. So it's really just us news nerds following all this. And next year, everyone catches up, you know, <laughs> like when you go to church every Sunday and then on Christmas Day and Easter, it's packed. Next year is Christmas Day and Easter. Everyone's going to show up and sit in your pew and you got to stand in the back. But <laughs> keeping that in mind, I think a lot of people who don't follow these things closely voted for Joe Biden to do two things, not be Trump and to be good grandpa to lead us out of COVID. And he's done those things. And I think a lot of folks that don't follow all of this just are out of the loop. I think when they see what issues are at stake next year, and of course, we'll still get to Roe v. Wade. I also think that people are going to have a, I don't know if people are going to be voting for Joe Biden. I think it's going to be voting for Donald Trump's agenda or against Donald Trump's agenda. People are going to either vote for Donald Trump to go to the White House yeah. or for Donald Trump to go to jail. And I have no problem selling the election like it's a reality show vote where you can pick. Does Trump go to jail? Vote Democrat. Does Trump go to the White House? Vote Republican. Uh, but but let me ask about Roe v. Wade, because this has been the issue that has driven democracy in ways we could not have imagined for the last couple of years. We've already talked about it in the show. Do you guys have confidence that, you know, it's not about Biden's age, no matter who he's running against, it's going to be 95 year old Herbert Hoover economics. Biden ideologically is going to be the young guy in this campaign because whoever he's running against is running on Herbert yeah. Hoover. Will Shaniqua, uh, we see Dobbs continue to seize the passions of Americans, including a lot of men who care a lot and that people who might not ordinarily turn out to vote will because they're mad about it. Absolutely. I think something that has become clear is that given a trifecta with the White House and both chambers of Congress, Republicans will continue to eat away at the right that Americans have to, well, the diminished right that Americans have to abortion right now. Um, I think we're going to start seeing And Trump has talked about this generally, but like going after states who are not in line with what national Republicans want and forcing them to comply with, you know, these really restrictive rules. And when you think about abortion, again, you see what has happened in Texas. That is going to just be what everyone is experiencing. But if that's a countrywide ban, where are you supposed to go? Now you have to leave the country, you know, if you want this type of health care. And I'm I'm not above thinking that they would have people at the borders or something, you know, going into Canada to make sure that people are not going over there to to receive that kind of care. So So I do think that it will continue to be uh, a huge issue. Um, It's not one that Democrats are giving up on. It's going to be on the ballot um, around the country. And I do think it will continue to mobilize people. But I think we really have to make clear as Democrats that it's not just state legislatures who are trying to move forward on this. It will be our national um, Congress if if given the opportunity to do it. And something I continue to believe, I hope I never get to see it, uh, but I do believe if Republicans take over the Senate, that they will get rid of the filibuster. You know, as much as we (laughs) they have talked about the sanctity of the Senate and all of that, given the opportunity, they will get rid of the filibuster. I, I absolutely believe that as long as Mitch McConnell's there. Yes, they'll get rid of it. If it's a Republican president, would they get rid of it? Uh, well, well, yeah, because they can't, no one's ever, no one anytime soon is going to have 60, a filibuster proof majority in the Senate. And so, you know, they might not get rid of the whole thing, but I think they will make some exceptions or do what they have to do. But, you know, 2021 is very frustrated with the conversation around the filibuster because it, it just 
assume that Republicans were going to play nice if they had power, <sighs> and so they true. won't. They yeah. won't. And I do think they'll get rid of the filibuster. And by Republicans, you mean Joe Manchin, right? Just to, just to clarify on that. Ah, yeah. Uh, I, I still I'm from North Carolina. So anytime I think about uh, the 2020 opportunity we had to, you know, have enough uh, Democrats in the Senate, I just think about Cal Cunningham and I get very upset. But, you know, still moving on from that. We have to take a very quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment with more of this year in review special. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Series XM Progress. I am John Fugelsang, and we are counting down the major stories, issues, debates that divided us of 2023 with Shaniqua McClendon of Crooked Media, Victor Shi, and Dr. Tracy Pearson. Tracy, let me let me ask you about this, because Shaniqua is exactly right. It's not just that women now have fewer rights in this country than their mothers or grandmothers had. They're going after women's rights to travel freely from state to state. And we've discussed this on the show with the Mifepristone ruling. They're going to try and ban the most popular form of terminating pregnancy, the non-surgical kind, a drug that is safer than pregnancy, safer than childbirth. And I think it's going to be a slippery slope. They're going to try to ban it. And that's going to lead to bureaucrats going through Americans mail, because when you ban a drug from coming in the mail, you are sanctioning low wattage individuals to screen your mail. None of this is popular and it's not going to get more popular. Why do you think they're doubling down on the dumbing down? They're they're doubling down on the dumbing down because they um they don't have another game. This has been the thing that they have chased forever, and they are very much convinced by it. Remember that that Roe v. Wade comes out of this time period where women sort of wanted to engage in the world in in ways that they hadn't been. It was the seventies. They were joining, uh, you know, corporate America. And then what's happened over time is we have advanced, we've gotten educations, we've had it all, we've had kids and we've had careers. And there's a perception among 
um, the the white males um, who who buy into this, that they have been deprived opportunity because of this. So they are taking back their power by trying to make sure that we don't have the choices that that made it possible for us to have it all. So true. And I think that one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that this is a very complex issue. Yes, Congress could pass a ban, but that's why the the people and the folks on the ground doing the activism and making sure that these initiatives are on ballots in states are getting uh, constitutional protections because under the law, when the federal government gives you a constitutional right it, and it is greater than your state's constitutional right, the federal right takes hold. When your state mm-hmm. constitution provides you with a right, but you're up against a federal statute, the state constitution often is the one that prevails over that federal oh law because God. it is a constitutional right. I love and doing so these specials with people so smarter critical. than me. I just want to say I love having people that are all smarter than me for these end of the year specials. We almost <laughs> did this with comedians. I'm so glad we didn't. Um, <laughs> I do want to I do want to shift gears very briefly, uh, if I may. Um, I, I hate talking about the most grim and dispiriting story of the year, uh, something that I didn't think it was possible to have a story more depressing than what's gone on in Ukraine. But of course, after Hamas's horrific terrorist attack on Israel, We are now at the point where 20,000 Palestinian civilians have been slaughtered and Netanyahu's offensive shows no sign of slowing down. I've been amazed at how much this has divided Americans. And I think there's been three great events in this century, the Iraq war, the Trump presidency and this Israel Hamas war that have divided families, divided people on the left, divided people on the right. Um, I haven't found it hard to say Hamas are Nazi criminal terrorists, and I don't find it hard to say that Netanyahu is a gangster criminal thug. I think calling out Hamas doesn't mean you hate Palestinians or Muslims. Calling out Netanyahu doesn't mean you hate Jews or Israelis. Calling out Trump doesn't mean you hate gullible racists. But, you know, there's a lot of chaos agents who have a lot to gain from us being at war with each other. And I just want to ask any of you, are you have any of you found any hope in all of this destruction? It's not going well for the president and the polling. And we are seeing how much attitudes have shifted on America's blind obedience to Israel. And again, I distinguish Israel from the Netanyahu regime. But I'm asking all of you, do you have any hopes and how should we hope to see some peaceful resolution to this? When Netanyahu knows the day the war ends is the day he goes away, so he has no incentive to stop the bloodshed. Victor, let me start with you. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm by no means a foreign policy expert, but I think one of the things that makes this entire situation so tricky is that I think the administration really has to kind of walk a very fine line between um defending Israel and, and its right to defend itself against a terrorist organization, but also minimizing deaths in Palestine. And and what does that look like when you don't really call for a ceasefire? And they tried to do that with this humanitarian pause. And there was a few days where they got hostages out, and that's good news. But um, you know, I think it's important to remember the kind of group that broke that ceasefire was Hamas. And so that makes this entire situation tricky. If you do call for a ceasefire, I think it becomes it's it's a very tricky situation. I think the administration is really trying to grapple with that reality of, you know, outside pressure and a lot of people really mad at kind of what this administration has done and sort of what the realities of on the ground are and, and sort of how do you deal with an organization and, and group like Hamas, which is so just terrible. And also Bibi Netanyahu, which is equally as bad, you know, with what he's done um, to to Israel and and to innocent Palestinian lives. And so it's very tricky. And I don't know what the solution is. I just hope that one day we will get to peace and we will find a 
solution where both Gaza and Palestinian people and as well as Israel, Israelis and, and Jewish people can live safely and just no war. Shaniqua, I got the impression that the White House was not prepared for uh, how unpopular the support of Israel, the unquestioning support of Israel might be for many of the base. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think summer of 2020 with a lot of the racial justice uh, activism um, and, you know, protests against police violence and other forms of racial violence should have been somewhat of a sign to the administration that there is just more attention. And as young people kind of take up more space in the electorate, that we were going to start hearing and seeing some of this shift. I I don't envy the president or this administration in, in this I. moment. It's really difficult. I. You know, I do think one thing that they could have done had they anticipated this is use better language. Now, better language does not stop what happened on October 7th, it does not stop the number of, um, well, you know, I guess we don't actually know if it stops the number, uh, the heightened number of Palestinians who have been killed so far. But I, I think one of the things that is frustrating voters so much in this moment is some of the language that the president has used. And we've yeah. seen it shift as he's understood that uh, public sentiment is shifting, but it feels late. And when you're talking about you know, kind of a, a moral crisis, it doesn't feel good to have your leader kind of following behind where people are. You want to yeah. see your leader ahead of you. You want them to to be leading on this. And so it just feels like as they understand how people feel, they rise to that occasion. But around issues of morality, we want people to be ahead mm -hmm. of that. We want to know, like, you stand here and this is the thing that you are fighting for. And something else I will say is, I have no idea what security briefings the president or the administration see every day. And so I would never dictate exactly, you know, what they should be doing. But I do think that voters and, and Americans in general, a lot of the, you know, kind of behind the scenes pressure and things like that, they want to see some fight in front of the camera. And I think something else that's not helping are these UN votes. And so there's just stuff publicly that the administration needs to be doing to make people feel like they actually care. And I think they were caught off guard. But again, maybe I'm, you know, a little closer to people who have feelings about this, like long before October 7th and have been part of mm -hmm. conversations to hear that this was shifting, but this was shifting long before October 7th. Uh, yes. And so I don't know who they need to, you know, what communities they need to plug into un to, to understand that. But I am kind of surprised that they were caught so off guard about public sentiment. Tracy, we're just about out of time. We're going to get to our final thoughts, but I want to give you a moment if you want to jump in on this uh, conflict. Sure. I'll do a quick whistleblower tour here. Um, I think they bungled it from the very beginning, and that's a consequence of lack of representation in the cabinet. I think they need to have more Muslim folks and more Muslim voices talking in their ears so that there was a more balanced view of what was going on. I also think that when you use language, the right to defend itself, that needs to be explained because universally among UN members, they were all using that language. And that has a consequence for some reason, and that needs to be explained. And I think that what has to happen here is that you can stand with Israel, but you can stand against Netanyahu, who happens to be Israel's Putin. And okay. that what we need to do is vigorously advocate for Palestinians and do more explaining to the American public so that they understand, but also that that they're also being heard, that you understand that that they have concerns. And that is not what we're seeing. 
friends, we are just about out of time here, and I'm so grateful to all of you for joining us, and, and I feel better about the year that's coming after this conversation. Thank you for raising my IQ, and thank you, as always, for classing up uh, SiriusXM Progress. It's been an honor having all of you. Before I let you go, I do want to ask you all uh, how our listeners can follow you, and I want to ask, what made the whole damn year worth it culturally? Was there any book or movie or album or live performance or YouTube video that enriched your world and that our listeners should know about going into the holiday break? Dr. Dr. Tracy, how can we follow you and what turned you on culturally this year? You can find me at SiriusXM with you on Wednesdays on Tell Me Everything. You can find me on all the socials at Tracy Explains, my website, tracyexplains.com, and my substack, Dr. Tracy Explains. What I enjoyed this year is a book called Justice in the Age of Judgment. I recommend everybody read it. It is by a woman by the name of Ann Bremmer and Doug Bremmer. They're friends of mine. I'm not, I'm, I'm not being paid to plug this, but it is a book about how the media can impact legal proceedings. And I think with Trump's shenanigans coming up this year that people really need to understand the impact of how media and social media can impact outcomes of cases. Right on. Victor Shee, so good to have you back. How can our listeners follow you and what was something cultural that uh, turned you on this year? Yeah, first of all, thanks so much for um, having this phenomenal discussion. I, You can follow me on, I guess, X Twitter at Victor Shee 2020, also on threads and Instagram at the same handle. Um, the podcast streams every week, so that's on YouTube and wherever you follow your podcasts. My cultural high moment was very recently. Uh, this past week, um, Z-Way interviewed George Santos, which was really fun. <laughs> and seeing her, this hard-hitting questions were was such a joy and pleasure. And I hope George Santos never makes an appearance ever again. I'm glad he's mm-hmm. out of Congress. And uh, I hope Z-Way makes many more appearances. Wow. I wish he was still there. I'd like to see the Democrats using him to beat up the Republicans every day. He deserves to be the face of the House GOP. That's just me. That's my unpopular opinion. Uh, Thank you so much, Victor. It's great to see you. And Shaniqua McClendon, what a great pleasure to have you back for the end of the year. How can our listeners keep up with your work? And what is something that has inspired you in the culture this year? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again for having me. Um, So you can uh, follow Vote Save America um, on all the platforms. It's just at Vote Save America um, or Crooked Media, which is at Crooked. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's at Crooked or Crooked Media. I should know this, but Vote Save America is the important one. So if you want to get involved, um, you can go there to our votesaveamerica.com website. The, The cultural moment for me uh, it was Beyonce. I went to see her concert right four times. <laughs> um, and, you know, this year has been really, it's been a lot, especially as I think about the preparation that we've had to do for next year. And yes. um, next year is going to be a lot as well. And so being able to enjoy that concert this summer a few times with different friends, it was just nice to have a bright moment, uh, something I could look forward to uh, and a place and space where things felt easier uh, and happier and uplifting, you know, and then you step back out into the real world. But it gave me the energy to keep doing this work. Yeah, I have lost track of how many times I played the Renaissance album this year. Just, just <laughs> superb. I mean, nothing's ever going to, nothing's ever, Lemonade is Sgt. Pepper for me. Like, that's, that's, that's it. But this record is just <laughs> so, everything you can do in a studio sonically is in display on this record. Guys, thank you so yeah. much for joining us. Thank you for inspiring me during the year and for giving me hope. And thank you for having the compassion, intellect, and guts that this country's political discourse really needs. Dr. Tracy Pearson, Victor Shee, Shaniqua McClendon, what a pleasure and an honor to have you all. Thanks as well to my producers, Thea Harper and Chris Hauselt. I'm John Fugelsang. This is SiriusXM Progress. Happy 2024.